the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, November the 30th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1782, the United States and Britain signed preliminary peace articles in Paris for ending the Revolutionary War. The Treaty of Paris was actually signed in September of 1783. Today in 1803, Spain completed the process of ceding Louisiana to France, which had sold it to the United States. Today in 1874, British statesman Sir Winston Churchill was born in Woodstock, England. Today in 1993, President Bill Clinton signed the Brady Bill that required a five-day waiting period for handgun purchases and background checks of prospective buyers. Today in 2004, Jeopardy! <laughs> Jeopardy! fans saw Ken Jennings end his 74-game winning streak as he lost to a real estate agent, Nancy Zerg. Ken Jennings is now the host, as you probably know. Ken Jennings is probably making a lot more money now as the host of Jeopardy! than he did as a contestant, although he made several million dollars. I believe Ken Jennings is the all-time greatest player on the game of Jeopardy! ever. I think it's appropriate that he's now the host. Nobody asked me, but that's my opinion on it. I think he's doing a pretty good job. We watch Jeopardy! sometimes. Today in 2010, the Obama administration announced that all 197 airlines that flew in the United States had begun collecting names, genders, birth dates of passengers so the government could check them against terror watch lists before they boarded the planes. Today in 2018, former President George H.W. Bush, he died at his Houston home. He was 94 years old. You may recall that his wife, Barbara Bush, had died in April of that year. And you've probably heard that Henry Kissinger passed away yesterday. He was 100 years old. You might not have heard that federal air marshals have been diverting sensitive flights to follow January 6th suspects. Yeah, remember January 6th? They're still on that. The insurrection. The Biden administration's Department of Homeland Security has had federal air marshals following people for years now who flew to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, 2021. Even if they did not go to the Capitol, were not in the crowd where President, former President Trump spoke, they were never charged with a crime, but they were surveilled. According to this association representing the air marshal, the air marshals are fed up with it. They said they're running us around following citizens. You just have to keep an eye on the government. Our founding fathers who created our government said that. And it is worth repeating often and loudly. Interesting 
Was it Savage who used to say liberalism? Uh, Michael Savage, liberalism is a disease or mental condition. Liberalism is a mental condition. I think that's what he said. Well, here's an example of that. I would call it probably today, quote unquote, progressivism. On Monday, this left-wing publication is widely read. I mean, a lot of people read it, but it's real left-wing. Deadspin. They alleged that this football fan, this kid, he was identified as Holden Ar- uh, Holden Armenta. They said he has found a way to hate black people and the Native Americans at the same time at this football game, the Kansas City Chiefs. The young Kansas City Chiefs fan had put on a headdress. He's just a kid. He looks like he's, I don't know, eight or nine years old, maybe 10. But he put on a headdress and face paint at this game, this football game. And he was, then he was seen, and this left-wing deadspin paper and some of their readers, they began to go after this kid because they were, they said he was publicly, they publicly condemned him because he was insulting African-Americans with his black face and, and Native Americans by wearing the traditional tribal headdress. Keep in mind, the football team in Kansas City is the Chiefs, as in Indian Chief. That's their logo. So anyway, these guys are going after this kid. Well, in response, Shannon Holden, the boy's mother, wrote on Facebook, she said, this has nothing to do with the NFL. Also, CBS was show, showed him multiple times on the game. All the people across the country were seeing the kid. But he said, she, the mother said that the people that were taking photos of him were, were only taking one side of his face. She said he had on the red for, for the team, the red on one side and the black on the other, which is their, their colors. And she said he's he's not he's he's not making an issue or or taking a position against American Native American Indians. He is a Native American Indian. His mother said she said it has nothing to do with the NFL. She said just stop already. Leave my child alone. I'll tell you, progressivism is a mental disease. These people get into this and they see everything through the lens of their philosophy. And their philosophy is basically cultural Marxism. I mean, it is. It's rooted deeply in in the Marxist thought and the Marxist uh, ideology. And it applies to to money and to, to every part of government. And now here's this Indian kid. At the game, this Native American kid with the colors of the team that he's rooting for, he probably lives in the area, with his parents, apparently. And the the public sees him, the, the far left, and they go after him because he's... It's unbelievable. Sometimes I, I just take a deep breath and I say, Gary, is this all real? Or are you imagining some of this? No, it's real. How in the world do we get to this place? I'll tell you how. We have forgotten our founding beliefs in, in America. We have moved away from our religious moorings. And that in every, every civilization that has existed on earth, 
of human beings. When you move away from the fundamental truth of Almighty God, this is where it leads to the stupidity that we are putting ourselves through today. We have no sense of right and wrong among many, not all, but too many in America today. Two Arizona election officials were charged <laughs> with interfering with the midterm court and the count, according to charges filed yesterday by the Arizona Attorney General. Cochise County, Arizona Supervisors Suzanne Judd and uh, of Wilcox and Terry Tom, uh, Thomas, Tom Crosby, he, uh, they were charged with allegedly holding up the certification of the midterm election. Between October 11th, 2022 and December 1st of 2022, Judd and Crosby conspired to delay the canvas of votes cast in Cochise County in November of 2022 general election. This is according to a press release from the Attorney General's office. Ironically, the two being charged are, of course, Republican. The Attorney General is a Democrat. The indictment further alleges that Judd, that Judd and Crosby knowingly interfered with the Arizona Secretary of State's ability to complete the statewide canvas for the 2022 general election by preventing the canvas of votes from Cochise County from occurring during the time period required by Arizona law. This Crosby's lawyer, he told ABC News yesterday, he said the indictment is a product of nothing but political part partisanship, but again, not unexpected. She charged him with interference with the election officer and conspiracy. Both charges are without any basis, should be defeated if there is any justice. This is probably a prelude to later in next year, which is approaching very quickly, 2024, and our presidential election. It's going to be for sure, unlike anything we've experienced in America, at least in, at least in recent history, perhaps in all of our history. We'll see. Tonight, you may know that Hannity is doing a debate with Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom, the governor, the governors of Florida, who DeSantis is running uh, for president, as you know. Gavin Newsom probably is as well, uh, but he hasn't announced that. Uh, a lot of people, a growing number of people on the in the Democratic camp are saying that Joe Biden will not make it to the general election. He just won't make it. They don't say how or why he won't make it, but they're saying he won't make it. And those are his cohorts on the far left. We'll see what happens, but this is going to be a very, very interesting, a very, very um, important time in the history of America over these next 12 months, for sure. We'll keep you informed on this program as long as we have your support to do so. If we don't have the support of the public, then we won't be here to talk about it. We're here because you stand with us each month financially. We are completely funded by contributions from the listeners who feel that what we're doing and saying is important. Thank you so much. We need your help. We need your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009.
You know, the media has been telling us for quite some time that Hamas terrorists have maybe been treating the hostages with at least a little dignity and care. And after all, after all, Hamas, the Palestinians, they're the oppressed. Israel is the oppressor. I mean, that's there. Sometimes they don't say it out loud because they know they'll be called out on it. But it's always woven into the news stories and all of the mainstream or the legacy, as they now call it, media. The media has been leading us to believe this, but it's unraveling now. Many of us, I'm sure most of you listening, knew that wasn't true. But now we're finding out for sure it's not true. As as the truth steps out into the light of day, we're finding now that it's not they're not taking care of the of the terrorists. This former major with the Israeli Defense Force is warning Israel and America they're coming for us, he says. This guy who is a former major in the Israeli Defense Force, IDF, says they're particularly coming for Christians and practicing Jews. He said, believe me, that's what's happening. So-called pause that's only given the terrorists time to regroup and they keep extending it, is giving them further time to regroup. Many are saying this is a fatal flaw. Israel should not be caving in to it, and Joe Biden should not be forcing it with the force of the United States and our prosperity, our money, and our influence. This guy says there are thousands of terrorist cells in America, just waiting for their time to act because our borders are essentially open. He said, they're here. He said, they will wait and wait and wait until the right time. He said, that's what they did in Israel. He said, Israel, and he is a former major in their army, and he's very loyal to his country. But he said, Israel sort of went to sleep and they became comfortable because nothing happened for a long time. And then all of a sudden, October 7, and they came in in Jeeps and bicycles and motorcycles and on these little kite things they were flying in and killed, what was it, 1,400 people. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. On October the 24th, they updated it on again on the 25th. NBC News said this, they said, amid a tumult, of grief, a tumult of grief and calls for vengeance, one victim has offered a remarkable and controversial gesture of peace toward the captors and killers who tore through her community. This is NBC, verbatim. I got the transcript of what they said on the air. Yakoved Lefshish, 85 years old, one of the Israeli hostages abducted by Hamas, was being released late Monday. This is back in October now. The, the dates, I, I said the 25th. On Monday, according to video released by the militant group, she turned out to be, a, she turned to one of the armed uh, militants, shook the person's hand, and uttered the word, Shalom. That's a Hebrew salutation, NBC explains, meaning peace. NBC, along with too many in the media, 
They've been trying to paint a picture that does not reflect the reality of those who are and have been held as hostages by this Hamas terrorist. These people are barbaric. But the press is just beside themselves to give you a different view on that. They don't want you to think they're barbaric. They've had to report it, of course, because they are barbaric. They've killed and raped and stolen. and I mean, it's horrible. This life shift would later say that NBC had to come back and amend their story because she told the press, she said, I went through hell. But NBC picked up on that part where she turned to this captor when she was being released and said, Shalom. And out of that, they made a story that said, yeah, this is a friendly exchange, and these people are, they have a right to their territory, and Israel has a right to their territory, and they have a right to have hostages, and this woman was well cared for, and as she walked away, she said peace to these people. That wasn't the story at all. And it never is exactly the way the press presents it to America. As I said, NBC updated their story later to include, quote, this line, this is what they added, her captors beat her in the ribs with sticks, she said, making it difficult to breathe. She was visibly exhausted and physically worn. That's what she told the rest of the press. They had to come back, NBC, or have egg on their face. So they did. They came back. They told one story. They got caught at it. They were exposed by virtue of this woman telling the truth once she was out of the clutches of the terrorists. And so they came back and amended it with a sentence. The Israeli officials, they gave an explanation of this as well. They were watching it closely. Israeli officials, they condemned the Hamas messaging around her release as nothing more than propaganda. Others observed points. They pointed to the value that Hamas may see in treating such a high-profile group of captives with care because this woman was kind of well-known because she is a Palestinian activist. She was helping Palestinians get to hospitals in Israel. The Israeli government said the state of Israel is happy to see the beloved grandmothers at home and thanks Egypt and the Red Cross for their assistance. But, they said, it's important to refer to the media messages coming out of um, Hamas, the issue of freedom of speech or press does not exist in Gaza. Hamas makes sure that anyone who deviates from its lines will bear the consequences. Most of us understood that. NBC thinks that we have no ability to think for ourselves. ABC and CBS are the same. CNN is. They're finding out. They are tanking financially and viewer-wise as well. This guy, the husband of this lady, he's, he's also a journalist and a fellow peace activist. The Stand is a website. It's, a, it's actually a, a publication. I think it's mostly online. I don't know that they print it. But it's from the, from the uh, Family Research Council. And uh, they, they got a hold of this story. Here's what they said. They said, as, mo- as more hostages walk out of their underground jail to freedom, the rosy picture of Hamas's gentle treatment is starting to unravel. While 85-year-old Yakovic Lifshitz uh, praised her captors back in October for the regular food, metal, uh, medical care, and beds, others tell a different story. They didn't include the revision that NBC said, but they went on to a couple of other stories. They told the story of this 12-year-old Eaton uh, Yahamali. I think that's how you pronounce 
that name, uh, was tortured. This 12-year-old was tortured during his confinement. His grandmother says he was beaten, forced at gunpoint to watch videos of Hamas atrocities and threatened with death when he and other children cried, left by themselves in the darkness for 16 days. Now, Eaton has trouble speaking out loud. He can't talk. He's so traumatized. 12 years old. Nine-year-old Emily Ward, whose dad made headlines for his profound relief that she was thought dead and not in terrorist hands, only to learn his worst fears had come true. He's telling reporters that he ha- he, he has trouble hearing uh, her, his daughter, nine-year-old Emily. Um, he admitted the most shocking, disturbing part of meeting her was she is was just whispering. He said, I couldn't hear her and she couldn't speak out loud. I had to put my ear on her lips like this and, and real close, he said, and say, what did you say? She couldn't speak. She was so traumatized. Nine years old. The other was 12 years old. Full picture of nightmares we may never know, but as a former Israeli Defense Force major, this Emir Sarfati, he, uh, he points out that we know enough. He said, these were unspeakable crimes against humanity. Well, of course they were. He said he performed. He said they were performed by bloodthirsty people that have no regard for human life and have no intention to have any peace with us at all. And he said Israel, for the longest time, tried to appease them by giving them jobs within Israel by allowing money to flow in. But this monster rose up one morning and tried to devour us. Sarfati explained to Tony Perkins on Family Research Council, uh, he's the president of that, on his radio show the other day. He said, we're facing right now a battle between two things. One, we have the largest terror base on planet Earth in Hamas in the north. He's talking about us being Israel in the north. We have the largest or the strongest terror organization on planet Earth in Hezbollah. We're sandwiched right in between them. Perkins noted, he said, Israel isn't exactly a big parcel of land. In fact, I put that that interview, it's about 15 minutes, I think, uh, from the radio program. There's a, a visual of it as well, a video. I put that on an article that I wrote today on our website. If you want to look at it, it's, it's very informative uh, because of who this guy is. And uh, I'll tell you more about him in a moment. But it's at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website. And you can check check that out and, and see the interview for yourself. But anyway, he said we're sandwiched right in between these two largest terror organizations on the planet. He said we're being squeezed. And and Perkins noted notes on there. He said, yeah, he said Israel isn't exactly a big parcel of land. And, of course, it isn't. Amir agreed with him. And he said after, after October 7, the country started to realize there is no way we can live like that even a day longer, right? He said, so we are doing what we should have done long ago, and we didn't because of international pressure. The international pressure is the same pressure they're putting on Israel now to keep doing these pauses. These pauses are simply a ploy by the terrorists to give them more time to organize and take control of the narrative. And that's what they've been able to do. I understand they're holding people, some Americans, and I think one American was released this morning, I believe I heard just a few minutes ago. But they're using people as pawns, and no one wants to go in and kill the terrorists and kill 
Americans or Israelis or whomever these hostages are. I mean, nobody wants to do that. Any decent person, even in a just war, they don't want to kill those kinds of people or have them killed as a result of it. And these people are so barbaric, these terrorists, they don't care. They simply don't care. They are beyond feelings for what is right and wrong. So anyway, he says, we've been caving to international pressure not to, to protect ourselves. But he said that pressure is building again. Perkins agreed. He said, even from America, Joe Biden is putting pressure on Israel to keep extending these pauses. And all that's doing, they're dribbling out a few hostages and they're regrouping so they can go at it again. He said, what's happening as a result, he said, the Israeli troops in Gaza are seeing, watching, looking at Hamas terrorists, regrouping and reorganizing. He said, right now we say we cannot shoot them, but we see what they're planning for us. And once this pause is over, he said, the threat is far greater than what we had with them before. He said, this is a terrible mistake to stop this war right now. He said, they must be taken out. I know he's coming from a military perspective, but he's coming from a common sense perspective as well. His message to the West on this interview was this. It's created a very explosive environment for the West, which is facing some pivotal decisions, he said. He said, I believe God is testing the nations right now. You should know that Emir has accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. He's a Messianic Jew. He believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That's where he's coming from. So he said, I believe God is testing the nations right now. He said he's testing the nations. He's testing the believers, his people, on where they stand with Israel. He said, look, when I begin to travel around the world, God showed me, wherever you go, look at what they teach about Israel, and you will know the spiritual state of that church because it's like a litmus test. It's amazing. Our founder, our founding fathers understood that. Most of our presidents over our history have understood that. This president doesn't. He doesn't have a clue. He's come out. His words, his words have been very supportive, but his actions are not. He's forcing Israel to keep making these pauses. Well, the terrorists regroup, and I promise you it's coming. These guys that are there involved in this are all saying the same thing. It, there's going to be another attack on is Israel. More people are going to be killed. And Joe Biden keeps forcing them to pause. But it's not just Israel and the crosshairs, this Safate says. It's Christians too. He said, those terrorists always say the Saturday people are first, the Sunday people are next. He said, they use that term. They use that term all the time. He said, I mean, Europe must wake up. America must wake up. America has thousands of sleeping cells all across the country. He said, your southern border is so open. He shook his head. He said, I can't even imagine how Hezbollah and Hamas cells are in the country right now. He said, they're testing you. And look, they waited and waited and waited and deceived us and deceived the whole area that they've deterred and not going to pounce and then boom. He said, one day they strike. He said, I hope Americans are going to make up, wake up to understand that you are in a crisis right now. He said, they're waiting for their time. They're in your country. He said, if this country is going to survive, 
you know what you need to do next November. (laughs) Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.